You are listening to another tale from the Mage's Den, the podcast for the Common Tongue magazine. The Choosing by Len Berry, narrated by Carl Walmsley. Food did not deserve a blanket. Shivering in the first light of day, Rakan clamped both arms around his torso. He sniffed, blowing the chilly autumn dew from his nose. The fine hair of Rakan's bare arms rose against the futile protection of a cotton shirt dotted by small tears. As bread had crust, Rakan and those around him wore the tattered clothing of their meagre lives. The beast waiting for him could tear through cloth easier than it could tear through muscle or tendon. He wasn't a fried duck. He had no desire to have his muscles ripped from his bones. Six apprehensive bodies walked ahead of Rakan. Behind him, rustling through wet sludge and fallen leaves, old fools and young beggars marched towards the cave, rising from the ground like an angry mouth. Mossy vines hung from the top of the cave, reminding Rakan of bits of meat lodged between a set of teeth. A savage black banner representing one of the divine children rose high above Rakan and his compatriots. Chanting in a gravelly tone, one of the robed men surrounding the temple of birth praised a god. A gravelly chant erupted from one of the robed men surrounding the temple of birth, praising the divine prophet Senkensha. The sound thrust through Rakan's neck, stabbing the spot between his ear and jaw. He watched the banner whip the violet sun-starved sky. Had a cosmic figure stepped down from the heavens, Rakan would have asked for the courage to push through the people ahead of him. He knew the first victim was dismembered with the birth of an Idai Haishi. Short of any spiritual guidance, the best Rakan could hope for was to be eaten when his turn came. The worst outcome would be to never have such a chance and watch his mother slowly age and freeze with winter's arrival. Rakan's mother couldn't knit enough to rent even a cheap room. The war effort didn't need an ageing seamstress. Monks dismissed anyone who lacked Senkensha's favour, something only given by money or an Idai Haishi's hand. Without any spontaneous mental fortitude, Rakan cowered in the middle of the line. His knees trembled every time he looked at the two sculpted hands rising from the ground. Robed monks tended the statues, snapping nearby twigs and thrashing tall grasses. Within the temple, a massive copy of Senkensha's head watched the stars in search of wisdom and wonder. Only privileged senior monks were allowed to meet the divine gaze. A wise man would not stand in the cold, wet mud, waiting for the sun to rise. Rakan would do anything for the chance finally before him, a chance to steer his own destiny through the arms of the giant Idai Haishi. A muddy chill seeped between his toes, just another reason for someone to call him a fool. A nameless roar echoed from the darkest pit of the Temple of Birth, 
Such a voice, capable of screaming the colour from a man's face, could only belong to an Idai Haishi. The bestial cry boiled away the acid in Rakan's stomach as his entire body cringed. Thunderous steps echoed beyond the open passage, a realm of darkness where Rakan was not welcome. Cerulean mist crept out of the tunnel, hovering around Rakan's bare ankles. Two searing blue dots blazed out of the shadows, stabbing into the nerves behind Rakan's eyes. Each of the lights stood atop a wooden pole carried by bald monks in thick robes. The monstrous roar cracked through the air, shaking the swaying lights in Rakan's elbows. If Rakan wanted to run, there was nowhere to go. Armed monks circled the assembly of human dinner plates, while the Idai Haishi's footsteps crashed closer to the mouth of the temple. Such sounds heralded the deaths of the godless heathens Senkensha despised. A scar-faced monk marched out of the growling tunnel. Rakan recognised Bizen the recruiter, a man whose stocky build matched the monsters he fed. He paced in front of the sacrificial feast, glaring at each face for half a second. Rakan forced himself to meet the man's dark brown stare. This is your last hour, Bizen said. Our great nation of Sayoku needs warriors. May Senkensha welcome you among the stars. Bizen didn't mention how many homeless lingered in cities like Susanu. He did not remind them how giants preferred meats that could think. The lanterns, hanging from the poles, drew nearer, revealing the luminous blue liquid sloshing inside. The deepest hue echoed the shade of an unblemished sky, a sight Rakan might never see again. If he wasn't the man he imagined himself to be, if his spirit couldn't soothe the approaching beast, there would be no more skies for him to marvel at, not even with dawn but a few hours away. A deeper chill struck the back of Rakan's head before drifting down his neck. One monk passed behind the Chosen dowsing each with a ladle dripping with the same liquid glowing in the lanterns in front of the temple. A heavy bead of moisture rolled under Rakan's shirt, down his shoulder blade, his ribs, the skin protecting his kidneys. He breathed in. His lips and lungs shook as he watched the darkness behind Bizen. Those who praised mighty Senkensha in city streets spoke of a darkness that could look back. Rakan saw a slight gleaming in the cavernous void, two polished dots of onyx set within discs of pearly marble. A throaty purr echoed out of the shadows, drawing whimpers and pleas from those around him. Even the monks quaked with the same fear that rattled Rakan's fingers. An outline of annihilating muscles lumbered closer. Chilled puddles shook under the thin mist. The rocky clatter of stones scraping against flesh pulled Rakan's inner ears away from his skull. A trunk-like foot slammed onto the ancient pathway leading into the cavernous temple. Three 
wide toes bore the same compacted texture as the glossy rock armour rising from the dark. The nameless Idai Haishi stood higher than a mature tree and wider than a pair of rhinos. A wedge of polished rock sat between the newborn warrior's shoulders, the pristine angles meshed with the dark and piercing pearl eyes, forming a stoic, primal face. Even as the starving beast growled, its expression did not shift. A pale monk panted in front of Rakan, before offering him an aged bowl full of gleaming mineral water. The liquid wasn't as luminous as the lights hanging on top of the wooden poles, but still shaded with the same blue. The sky's luster swayed in a trembling cup, waiting for Rakan to take it. Somehow, Bizen ignored the rock-encased monster standing behind the elevated lights. Drink, all of you. This will be the last taste of life for some of you. For one or two, it'll be the finest drink you'll ever get before we send you back to the gutter where you belong. Bizen stomped his right foot at a slight woman with bloodshot eyes. Drops of spittle landed on the woman's face. One of you may be lucky enough to drink this for the rest of your life. Rakan turned his eyes down to the pure blue water in front of him. Even when he didn't look up, he could feel the pearlescent eyes of the Idai Haishi glaring at him. His lips touched the liquid, stabbing an ache into his front teeth. The soothing taste of fresh snow tapped Rakan's tongue. A stream of cold coasted down Rakan's throat, lining his stomach. The taste on his lips cost more than his mother made in a decade. Two crashes snapped Rakan's attention away from the drained bowl in his hands. The lantern poles had smashed into the sides of the temple, the glowing liquid spilling into the shadows. Every monk scurried away except for Bizen. He strolled in front of Rakan, letting his voice echo against the faint promise of sunrise. Die well. An icy cloud of breath shook free of Rakan's trembling mouth. He stretched with a frigid tightness. Softening its stance, the Idai Haishi hunched low, spreading its arms. A trio of sinewy fingers flexed on each gargantuan hand. Bladed thumbs shunted towards calloused, leathery palms. Low grumbling dispersed the mist around Rakan and the others. A warm wetness glazed the inside of Rakan's thigh. An unnatural gust of wind erupted from the cave as the stone-armoured creature raced far to Rakan's right. An overwhelming, dagger-like fingertip pressed against a man's shoulder. Trembling, he whimpered, then yelped sharply. The Idai Haishi's faceplate snapped upwards, exposing a ringed, toothy pit. A handful of tapered fingers snatched the yelping man up, leaving his feet dangling aimlessly like a child's. Panicked shouts erupted behind Rakan. He refused to look away from the giant warrior. This was the reason Rakan had come, to satisfy the hunger of a newborn so it might fight for Sayuku with strength and pride. 
A piloted Idai Haishi meant more for the nation than a seasoned cadre of soldiers or a city overflowing with poverty. The creature regarded the limbs hanging from its grasp, tapping at a knee with a curious finger. The yelping man kicked out in reflex. A grunt burst out of the gaping maw. The giant pulled the kicking leg, tearing the yelping man apart like a rotten cloth. Splashes of crimson painted the ground and stone plates alike. Shrill screaming erupted from the man being shoved headfirst into a fleshy tube of jawless, flexing teeth. Clumps of loose meat dribbled between fingers before slapping into the mud. An aggressive gurgle echoed from one fresh body to the next, daring Rakan to cower before the great beast. A boy of fifteen or sixteen broke out of line, dashing to escape fate in the nearby forest. The boy must have been wealthy enough to have no need for a military pension. A torn leg collided with the boy's flailing arms, knocking him to the ground. Rakan's stomach sank guiltily, watching the Idai Haishi smash the boy's lean body into its voracious web of bloodied teeth. Rakan stood firm, ignoring the impulse to flee and the cold vice clamping him in place. His eyes stayed on the giant warrior as it snatched up the next body. Rakan hadn't been eaten the first time he encountered an Idai Haishi. Then, as now, Rakan watched the towering creature without blinking. The warrior Rakan first met was burned while pulling him and his mother from the flaming ruins of their home. This nameless newborn thrashed with no purpose but that of a wild animal. Rakan shifted, keeping his eyes locked on the armoured giant. The Idai Haishi shifted its beady pearl and onyx eyes, staring over the sinew holding the faceplate away from its true mouth. Dark and light, the giant looked deeper than Rakan's eyes. This was the opportunity Rakan wanted, to take his place as an offered meal or contribute something more. Stepping out of line, he opened his arms moving forwards without breaking his gaze, without blinking. I am Rakan. I am here for you. The giant clattered towards Rakan, its armour grinding together like moistened rocks. Pink-stained drools spilled over the Idai Haishi's chest plate. Drops of blood and mucus burst over Rakan's hair and face. Rakan stood firm keeping his arms wide. These people do not need to die. No monk should make you kill. This was Rakan's offering and desire, one he carried deeper than any prayer to Senkensha or the divine children. Rakan knew an Idai Haishi could protect. One had protected him. The nameless newborn flung its arms wide, spraying moist remains from its fingers. The blood and bile didn't break Rakan's resolve. He stared on, aware of the hungry throat soaked by liquefied bodies. The giant's shoulders pulled back. The ravenous pit rumbled. Muscles tensed and teeth retracted the moment before the Idai Haishi swallowed Rakan whole.
cradled in dark warmth, the moment of confrontation had come and gone. Peacefully, the Idai Haishi carried him from a dank world of struggle and tucked him into the bosom of eternity. Gravity squeezed Rakan through a curtain of mucus. His face and hands dripped with sticky threads that refused to abandon his skin. Slippery muscles pushed him downward, constricting him into an abyss of numbness. Rakan crashed with a loud splat into the bottom of a bulbous sack. Titanic ribs prodded out of the walls. A leathery mat wrinkled under Rakan's knees. He expected the acids would tear him apart. His skin would boil and dissolve. He could have been torn apart by the teeth lining the giant's throat. Instead, Rakan was intact, whole, alive. A long pair of breaths flowed in and out of Rakan's mouth. He didn't mind sitting in a purring sauna. Sweat rolled over the bridge of his nose and down his forearms. Moisture rippled between the ribs, coating each wall with a dull red-orange glow. The wet membranes shook, bending the light into a wedge. An impression of a nose and the echo of a mouth pushed away from the surface. A glint dotted the shadows beneath each brow, recalling the onyx and pearl beads that stared so deeply into Rakan. Even inside the Idai Haishi, the giant still watched Rakan. You can see me. Rakan's eyes widened as his thoughts circled around him. The nameless face nodded once, never breaking its chiselled expression. Why show me your face? Rakan had also heard his little sister cry as a baby. Despite the hunger, the blood, the sense of dread, the giant was still a newborn. Rakan sighed, releasing the oven of vapour in his own lungs. He shoved a blanket of sweat away from his forehead. I wish you could tell me what you want. More sweat pooled under his eyes. His lips turned to grit within the heated bladder. The stream of pure mineral water he'd previously been doused in had already evaporated. The entire sack shook. Growling smothered Rakan from every direction. The face vanished as the surrounding ribs squeezed together. A wave of snot blasted Rakan's face before the floor hurled him up into the shadows that swaddled him away from the temple of birth. The dawn's light blinded Rakan, like the flames that devoured his home in Mura. If he lived, even as a soldier, he could send his mother enough to make the rent. Rakan coughed, even though the smoke had abandoned his lungs so many years earlier. A burst of steam pushed Rakan off the rounded stone platform. He tumbled down an arm-like ramp before adding mud to the streaks of mucus smothering his face. As he sat up, his ribcage burned from the strain of taking a thousand frantic breaths in less than a minute. The Idai Haishi lowered its faceplate just as the giant dropped to one knee. 
its broad stone chest rose and fell in silence. The beast had traded hunger for calm. Those outside the temple of birth rested on their knees, every forehead pressed against blades of grass or damp puddles of earthy brown. Those offered in sacrifice mumbled in the same tones as the assembled monks. All kneeled, just as Rakan would have done had someone else been chosen. Rakan hadn't been chosen. The Idai Haishi had swallowed him whole rather than consume him. Muscles and limbs intact, he'd sat in the giant's stomach. Dirt smeared across Bizen's face as he stood. The scarred monk grabbed Rakan's collar and pulled him up. Unrestrained, a meaty hand shoved Rakan's chin left and right. Rakan pulled himself free of the monk's grasp. What happened? I was about to ask you. Bizen reached out, but Rakan stepped back. Why did the Idai Haishi spit you out? It's a baby. How could I know what it wants? You stopped its rampage. Bizen pointed at the giant. The Idai Haishi is quiet and waiting. Does he wait for you? Rather than answer, Rakan looked up. Beady, polished stones tilted down, watching Rakan for an answer. Too many expected the Idai Haishi to be beasts of burden. Something more was going on behind those stoic faces. The giants hoped for more from the humans they trusted. At least the newborn did. You'll have to ask the Idai Haishi. Bizen slapped Rakan's face. Don't be smart with me. The giant leaned towards the scarred monk, unleashing a roar loud enough to shake the nearby trees. Bizen tumbled away from Rakan, and the Idai Haishi scampered backwards through the mud. Rakan lifted a hand, hoping the giant would understand. Lives were worth sparing. That included roughened monks and defenceless families. Rakan locked his jaw shut as he breathed. His lungs still stung as the giant halted. Rakan was unsatisfied. He wanted Bizen to understand the might laying dormant within the Idai Haishi. I said, you should ask him. A scowl tore at Bizen's face before he pressed his forehead into the mud. Honoured Idai Haishi, do you accept this human offering? The nameless newborn grunted as it braced both hands onto the ground. A red-tinted trail of drool leaked from the giant's chin, a wad of flesh flopped away from its shoulders. Rakan scraped dirt and snot out of his hair. The bits of those who died ahead of Rakan reeked of human waste. He breathed in his resolve, glancing at Bizen and the Idai Haishi alike. Death is not the way. Monks peeked up from their prostrated positions. Their eyes and mouths hung open as they stared at Rakan. He sighed, wanting to rise above the violent role the monks had written for poor and desperate souls. Rakan's home had burned because of constant wars. 
fought with those who denied Senkensha's divinity. His mother endured a cheap, drafty room as she waited for winter. With an Idai Haishi, Rakan knew he could change things. Rakan's lips tightened. If his resolve cracked, even for a moment, the Idai Haishi might still kill him. The Colossus would always overpower any man. The newborn giant tilted closer, staring intently. Anyone else would promise you murder and glory. Rakan laid a hand on the smooth boulder that acted as a pauldron. I promise you pride. Nodding, the Idai Haishi tilted forward, its faceplate lifting. The muscular pit tensed and stretched wide. All the teeth curved inward, allowing Rakan to enter without the threat of serration or digestion. Bizen's voice broke into a timid whisper. Tenkent should be praised. A new pilot is chosen. The path was slick with mucus. Rakan climbed into the tunnel, pushing through dense layers of muscle and steaming glands. The Idai Haishi constricted its throat, allowing Rakan to pass through the obscured layer of shadows once more. In the dark, Rakan smiled. The End <laughs>